If you've been listening to the Truest Fan Blueprints, you know that Phil and I want to see you, our listeners, succeed. And that's one of the reasons we've created a brand new program called the Truest Fan Roundtable. It's your way to take a test drive of our coaching and mentoring process, a process that will help you take your business and your life to new levels of success. And you can try it out for free. Just go to truestfancoaching.com forward slash free dash access and sign up. That's truestfancoaching.com forward slash free dash access. I hope to see you there. Well, I believe in the give. I believe you always get. It's not the reason to do it, but that's how relationships work, is you've got to contribute to relationships. And you always get something. It may not be business. It may not be a sort of a tit-for-tat sort of thing, but it's certainly, you learn. There's all kinds of give and take, and that's what real relationships are. You know, otherwise, they're just transactional. So, I mean, business, there is a transactional aspect to it. But at the end of the day, it's really about the great relationships that we form. And the best ways to form them is it's got to be two ways. What those two ways look like may depend. You're listening to the Truest Fan Podcast. And now, here's your host, Rob Brown. Okay, welcome to another edition of the Truest Fan Podcast. I can promise you this is going to be a conversation that you've never heard before because I've never had a chance to have a long conversation with Michael Goldberg, who is the founder of Knockout Networking. And he does a ton of work with financial advisors, helping them to be better networkers, better referral partners, really get a grip around their business, how to take it to new levels. So Michael, welcome to the podcast. Anything else you'd like to add to that introduction? I appreciate that. You know, uh, don't make promises, uh, you know, that we can't keep. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's thrilled to be a part of this, Rob. Okay, so it's awesome. So great, welcome. So, Michael, I, I'm not sure you've had a chance to read my book, True as Fan, but one of the things and one of the reasons I wrote True as Fan is that I've learned a lot from being a fan of professionals and lots of things, but. In particular, I tell stories about my favorite baseball team, the Cleveland Indians. So I always like to ask my guests, you know, like, what's your favorite baseball team? Now, are they still your favorite baseball team now that they are the Guardians? Is that still a thing for you now? Oh, yeah. No, it, it's in my blood. It will never go away, even if they change the name five more times. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to still call them the Indians. You know, it's just like the all, all the teams that are changing their names to me. I, I just, you know, Oakland Raiders. And I, it just me, they got to they have to go back. And some of them do go back. But to me, they're just going to always be what they're going to always be, you know. So what, what was the question? <laughs> so <laughs> so what's your favorite team? Do you have a, a favorite baseball team? Somebody that yeah, you really root not, for? It's not the Cleveland Indians or the Guardians, although I do believe that they deserve to have a championship at the great sports team, Sports City. But I'm a New York Mets fan. They're always kind of promising to be great and just never quite get there. And I thought this year could be the year. They look very mediocre. But baseball side of things, I'm Mets. On the football side of things, I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers, even though I'm uh, a New Yorker forced to live in New Jersey against my will, but product of the 70s and you stay loyal to your team. So I'm definitely part of the Steeler Nation, but I'm a boxing aficionado. That's my favorite sport. It's part of my branding. I'm actually a competitive fighter myself. So uh, 
even though I'm a fan of baseball, just because you can check the stats every day, you can't really do that with boxing. But, you know, Cleveland should be there. <laughs> and <laughs> so, I root so for t- Cleveland every time they play the Yankees, for sure. <laughs> well, I can I can appreciate that. And the Mets have a couple of my former favorite players, but that's what happens when we have to let the expensive guys go when you're a low-budget team. But anyways, I don't want to get too much into baseball. I just I love to hear that. But two other kind of questions that relate to that. One, what do you learn by being a fan when you observe, you know, a professional sports team, the Mets or, God forbid, the Steelers? What is it that you kind of take away that you, you see from the athletes and the performances and that you think <laughs> is something that we can apply to the way yeah, that we... Yeah, you'd be a Cleveland guy. I knew the Steelers. I knew the Pittsburgh thing would hit you just so. I knew it would be yeah, like, oh... I, I was trying to skip over it because I know, just, I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, being a sports fan, you know, uh, to me, there's... They talk about boxing as being the sweet science. And I think every sport has its dose of both science and art. You know, the science is kind of the X's and the O's. And the art are the people that just just naturally make it look easy. You know, like Tom Brady, you look at him and you don't really know why he's probably the best of all time, but he is, you know, he just, because he's got the art part, the science just is so artful. And I think when you look at top athletes, the ones that are just consistently at the top, it really just is an art form. And then you realize that the ones that make it look easy, there was a lot of hard work that went on behind, you know, behind the scenes, you know, it's Tom Brady didn't just, you know, pop onto the field and he was the best ever, you know, we, there was some work and until he reached a certain level, I don't think people appreciate it. Yeah, I think that's a great way to think about it because so often we only watch who crosses the finish line first and you know, it was just the 10 seconds of that race, but there was thousands of hours that went in to that yeah. 10, second, uh, 10 second race. You know, it's even watching my daughter run track. It's a difference of just a couple of seconds. You know, she's working on her 100 meter and I, I ran track. So now I kind of, you know, working with her now. And her best was like a 14.9 seconds in 100 meters. And she would give anything to be 12. She said, I want to be 12 seconds. When you think about it, that's like almost three seconds. One, two, three. Like that's the difference between good and great. It could just be that, you know. And that's the beautiful thing about sports is it, it could just be, you know, just a few points. You know, what's the difference between batting 300 and batting 280? You know, it's like one more hit, right? You know, a game, you know, type of thing, you know. Right. Absolutely. But you don't get there by hoping you get those hits. You get there by doing what it takes every day. So when you come to the plate or get to the start line, you're ready to go. Yeah. And then it becomes hopefully that art form. Yeah. So you mentioned your love of boxing and being a boxer. Talk about how you got involved in that and kind of how that relates to what you do now in your coaching of financial advisors. You know, I'm on stage. I get that all the time. You know, it's like, don't you want to talk about the thing you booked me for? And but people always want to know about the boxing. But I really do compete. You know, I know this podcast will be dated, but September 16th and 17th of this year, 2023, I'm actually slated to be in a uh, competition in Atlantic City. So I'll be at the Showboat Hotel actually boxing and competing. And if I win on the Saturday, I'll, I'll get to the Sunday. But all that started because, oh, 17 years ago or so, I was I just went to my gym like any other day. And I remember being caught up staring at a guy across the gym that was jumping rope. And if you've seen any boxer jump rope, we were talking about art and science. It is definitely a work of art. It is beautiful. And, and I knew as my eyes just sort of like honed in on that guy across the gym, he was clearly a boxer. He was in great shape. And it just didn't even look like he was exerting himself. And um, 
I wanted to go over to him and talk to him because I'd always wanted to learn how to jump rope. Like I was like marginally okay, but I wasn't like him. And, and, you know, and I'm a networker, so I'm very extrovert. Not that you need to be extroverted to be a networker, but I am. Uh, and even being an extroverted networker in a comfortable environment called the gym for me, um, it took me a couple of weeks to get up enough nerve to go up to the guy and start talking to him. Whereas I talk to people in the gym all the time, even yesterday, I'm just chit-chatting with people, not in a disruptive way, but just, hey, how are you? And it's natural, you know, art science. But it took me two weeks to go up to this guy, basically changed my life. And I asked him if he's a boxer and he said yes. And I asked him if he can give me a tip or a trick with jumping rope. So he gave me the rope. He said, let me see what you have. So, you know, you know, it's okay, but I wasn't him, you know. He said, come back to me when you can do 20 and we'll talk. And I think he just wanted to get rid of me, you know. So, uh, it's, you know, thanks for the time. You know, I apologize for bothering you. He put his music back in almost like a, you know, and, and I walked away um, and I went and bought a jump rope and got pretty good. And just, you know, within another week, I went and kind of bothered him again. But all of a sudden he smiled and he just became my friend. And I'm going to call this guy Dan uh, because that's his name. But uh, so, so Dan and I are now friends and Dan puts me in touch with his trainer. And so I connect with the train, right? Networking. So I, I connect with the trainer and I hire the trainer to teach me how to jump rope. So he gives me his address. I go to the trainer's house, which is a couple of towns away from where I live. Um, and there's cars like in the driveway, like a lot of cars on the street. I'm like, what is going on here? Is there a party? So I get, you know, he, he's at the door when I arrive and he takes me downstairs. And you know, like, like, you know, the movie, we don't talk about Fight Club. Fight Club is going on in this guy's basement. You would never know until you were there. And the basement was carved out to be this boxing gym with a ring and a whole bunch of guys there you would never know. And now I was blown away by this. And this is the guy that the trainer, I can tell he was kind of like giggling at me. I almost felt like he was making fun of me, like in a passive aggressive way. And that some of the other guys were kind of in on it. I just kind of uh -oh. uh, kind of felt like a little bit of an outsider. And I told him, I said, I feel like you're making fun of me a little bit. He's like, you'll get the joke in a minute. And in about four or five minutes, he had me jumping rope like a champ. And that was the joke. Like, I can't believe you paid me to teach you how to do that. But that <laughs> turned, that, that was the joke. That was it, you know? And right. so, uh, and as soon as I got it, I got it. And he said, but let's put some wraps and gloves on you. You look like you could hit something. And I got in the ring and he taught me some things. And the sales pitch came, hire me to be your coach. You are a natural blah, blah, blah. So I bought it and I bought him. And in three months I was in the ring and the rest, as they say, is history. So the reason why that's a great story, I think, is because I'm still friends with this circle. Um, and not only did they get me into boxing, but they changed my brand. Like my company is Knockout Networking. I don't know if that happens without this. And it's also a networking story because without making a connection and being bold enough to say, you know, can I ask you a question? Hi, my name is. Maybe none of that stuff happens. So it's about the connection. And, you know, I just wonder how many chances we don't take that are just really minimal risk where there's an answer at the other side. It certainly was for me. Right. And there were, you know, a couple of different paths that you took in doing that. You took the path that led to the boxing, um, but also it sounds it sounds like it also reinforced your beliefs in the importance of, of networking. So where did that networking come yeah, from? And, I, and, I, and if I'm an extroverted, I love talking to people guy, it took me two weeks to get up enough nerve to talk to Dan. You know, I can imagine if you're not like that, which is most people, right, that that right. wouldn't take the chance. So like we leave opportunity on the table only, you know, every single day. So it's part of what I what I teach and preach is, you know, not that you should be on the, um, 
you know, on the seven train at one in the morning, you know, and starting to kind of work the car, work the room, kind of know your audience, but that uh, if you don't ask the question, the answer is always no. So there is a little bit about taking a chance, making a connection, starting a conversation, you know, as appropriate. So, but where did the desire to teach other people to do that come from? You know, you talk uh, about being an expert and it sounds like it was a a bit of a a natural for you. you I was taught, you know, I I was taught by being around some of the right people that were influencers for me. And I just saw what kind of success level it took them to and even confidence level uh, it took them to. So I was really inspired to just pay it forward. So when I started my business, I was learning all the, you know, the tricks of the trade before I was teaching networking. I was like a leadership. um, Yeah, I was like a leadership guy, leadership communication guy. And then I started learning about networking and the value of, 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 you know, to make a connection, like, like what you can get from that, what you can give from that. So I was just so taken by what I was learning and what was happening as a result is I just wanted to pay it forward. And that's what a good networker does. A good networker is all about the give rather than the get. Uh, and so I realized that was just instilled in me all along. So it made what I talk about now really easy because all the stuff I do. Well, you know that, that to a lot of people, that idea that the, the give is all about the get sounds like a bunch of baloney that you always have to have your eyes set on what you want. But obviously right. you, don't, you don't believe that. You, you, see, you, you believe in the give. Well, I believe in the give. I I believe you always get, you know, and that's not the reason to do it, but that's how relationships work is you've got to contribute to relationships and you always get something. It may not be business. It may not be a sort of a tit for tat sort of thing, but, but it's certainly, you know, you, you learn, there's all kinds of give and take, you know, and that's what real relationships are, you know, otherwise they're just transactional, you know? So, I mean, business, there is a transactional aspect to it. But at the end of the day, it's really about the great relationships that we form. And, and the best ways to form them is, you know, it's got to be it's got to be two ways. You know, what, what those two ways look like may depend. And do you find that when you do that, that sometimes the get isn't necessarily what you may have had in the back of your mind, but it's something bigger and greater that maybe comes out of the blue sometime later, but you can trace it back to. The fact that you were just willing to give as a network, without a doubt, yeah, without a doubt, yeah, that, that happens a lot. Yeah, a lot of times I reflect on either business I'm doing or relationships that I have, and I, you know, I, I start to think about where that all came from. You know, uh, six degrees of separation and all that, and kind of, you know, Kevin baking it back, and 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 okay, <laughs> that's, you know, just even like this client, um, you and I were talking offline. I've got a, a you know um, a big audience. I'll be speaking for. Uh, next week, but that's a long-standing client. And after I got off of my prep call earlier with them, I started thinking about um, how they came into my life, and four or five other names came to mind as to how I got there in the first place. And then it started making me think maybe I should reconnect with some of those people because they've moved on. And you know, so there's always people that you kind of think of that maybe we should be in better touch with. But there's only so many hours and so many people. But it's being mindful about being a connector and staying in touch and keeping things collaborative. Are you ready to discover your true purpose, live with impact and build an ever greater legacy? Then you need to make time for what truly matters most. Go to truestfan.com challenge to begin the free Truest Fan seven day quick start. 
so if if a, a financial advisor is listening to this podcast and they're thinking, you know, I've heard this before, you know, I, I need to be a better networker, but I'm I'm not a natural, so I'm going to go, I don't know, go pay somebody a zillion dollars to give me leads that don't turn into clients. How yeah, do you, well, how you it, get them started? They could pay me a zillion dollars to teach them. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That just makes it easy. Yeah. <laughs> but but how, what is, what's that thing that you do to really get somebody started to 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 be that that giver, um, to be that networker, to help? You know, because I think even the um, the greatest introverts have some extrovert in them. They just have to pull it uh, pull it out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think there's a misnomer that you have to be extroverted to be a great networker, and you don't. You know, one thing almost has nothing to do with the other. I know great networkers that are introverted, you know, so being introverted doesn't mean you don't like talking to people. It just means that you don't really lead with that. It doesn't come easily for you, but uh, introverts are really good about creating a process and a process for connecting and following up and following through and staying in touch. So one has nothing to do with the other, but it's kind of like unboxing. Everything's off the jab. Um, and when you're connecting with people, everything is off the conversation. And introverts sometimes have uh, a challenge or at least feel they have a challenge of how do they get that jab in there to kind of get the whole sequence started. But for advisors that are listening, I, I think it always starts with mindset. Like your mindset has to be about the give. It has to be about the help. It has to be about the learn. If that isn't there and can't be developed, it's over. It's over. It all starts from that. If, if it doesn't just happen intrinsically where you like to talk to people, you like to connect, you like to help, uh, you like to serve, you like to see others succeed. I think all of that is kind of baked into what I call a networking mindset. It all starts from that. So a lot of my own work is if I'm working with advisors, that's generally groups. I generally don't do a lot of one-on-one -on -one stuff. It's usually groups. But it's really just molding that mindset, or if they have that, amplifying that mindset. And then after that, it's about um, you know uh, really uh, being able to articulate and focus on a target market, right? Knowing who you serve best and therefore wish to serve most. Like those are the two major things initially: is mindset, and then having a, a really good and clear idea about who your best fit or right fit clients are. Yeah, and that makes that makes perfect sense. But I, I love the fact that you used the word serve um several times. Mm. And what I have found in my work with financial advisors over the years is financial advisors are good givers. They do like to serve other people, but sometimes um they don't take that service mentality into their business. They they relegate it to, you know, what they do for the causes that they care about. Um, well, but they look at service as being a client function rather than being a marketing function, and they're right. both. Yeah, no, no, it, it absolutely is. Um, so I think that is, uh, that's, that's, that's fascinating to kind of put those two things um, together. Um, so um, one of the questions I'd love to ask, and, and, you, and, and you alluded to this earlier, but I didn't, I didn't jump in then. I'd love to to figure out like what was like one was there like one piece of advice that really put you over the top you know from those mentors or people that that kind of got you going down this road to be uh, the networking expert that you've become 
when I first started, I just started pitching my services uh, to everybody that I met. It just seemed like, okay, so do you need training services? Do you need a coach? It was, it was kind of like that, you know, and until somebody took me aside and said, listen, that's not networking. You know, uh, people are going to be like repelled and repulsed from you. And, right. and they were, <laughs> they right. were. And it wasn't that I was meaning to be bad or wrong. I just didn't know. I was naive. I never needed to be in circles like that. And until I made that, because I didn't have the networking mindset. I had a sales mindset. Both good, but there's time and place. Uh, and as soon as I made that shift myself and I realized I tapped into, that's, I guess, who I am anyway. Like, I love helping people, but I didn't really know how to make that shift. And then that's how it became I became kind of a natural, I mean, getting back to the art and science, because it's kind of like, phew, I don't have to sell everybody my services. It's not about that. But if I can listen, learn, and help other people that I like and think are good at their services, they might help me right back. And that was a major shift. So I've just got to be me. Mm -hmm. um, I've got to be making sure that I understand who it is I want to serve. Um, what, and, and that can be true in your business or if the other activities you're involved in. But who, who do I want to serve? And then how do I make sure that when I'm having conversations, I'm thinking about like what's the next step in that service and that right. connection that that keeps it going because I think that's yeah. another place that networking dies. You know, you show up at that event, you do a good job networking, and you do get somebody say, "Yeah, call me," and yeah. then you don't what know what to talk to them about when you um, reach out to them the next time. Yeah, well, it's also that conundrum of are they a prospect or are they a potential referral partner? Right. You know, so if, if everybody shows up like a prospect, we tend to show up as salespeople, right? As right. We that that kicks sure. in, you know, if, if um, uh, what's the expression? If, if you're a hammer, everything's a nail. You know, I think right. that's how it right. So it, it, it shouldn't really be like that. But it's um, but it's really how you assess things, you know, and uh, there are people that um, that say all the right things or try to say all the right things at the events because they want to look good or feel good. But if there's no there there then nothing's going to happen in terms of a follow-up. But, uh, but, but I think it feels right when, if I'm speaking to you at an event, Rob, and there's just stuff to talk about, you know, whether it's uh, uh, the Indians, Guardians, uh, the Steel, whatever it is, right? We're, we're into sports, we're into whatever we're talking about. If I was going to say, you know, I don't want to hold you up, but would love to exchange contact information, however we do it, with QR codes or cards these days, right? Uh, and I would love to continue our dialogue you know, when we're not pressed for so much time and maybe figure out how we can be resources for one another. Like who's not going to take that on because it's a win-win, it's collaborative. And if there's already a good vibe and a good connection, let's see where this might go. And again, it's not that I'm selling you anything, but maybe the one thing I am selling you is the opportunity to continue our dialogue and, and see where this whole thing could go. Worst case scenario, fun. Like worst case scenario, that's that's how I want it to be. I want people to if nothing happens, at least we had a blast learning about one another, you know, but you just don't know where it's going to go. But there's intentionality in that offer to exchange cards or QR codes and get together because there is a step and you, and you can't take the step after that right. to determine if they can be a referral partner or uh, a, a prospect or a client if you don't have step two. Can't get to step three without step two. Right. No, it's exactly right. You know, and, you know, and how many meetings and, you know, I think we, we, we both experience this. Do you have with people? Then nothing happens. Like I have had thousands of meetings probably over the years with people. And there's so there's so few. And I'm, I'm a network. Like I teach this stuff, you know, and, and there's just so few that you stay in touch with and good things happen. 
worst case scenario, your friends. Like that's the worst case scenario, but best case right. scenario, your friends. And I was going to say friends with benefits. You're you're you're, you're friends, but but there's all <laughs> kinds, right? But but there's all kinds of cool things that are happening. You know, both fun, business, the whole thing. You know, and um, you know, it's because something's missing. You know, it's like when you know, and and the thing that I have found is missing is that a lot of people don't realize that there there's more than one dimension to networking. Like there's the face to face stuff, but that's twenty five percent of it. I think there's four different dimensions. There's your preparation. Who am I going to meet? What am I going to say? Why? How am I potentially going to serve? Who's going to be there? How should I show up? So there's the preparation phase or dimension. There's the presentation, like what we're saying in real time, face-to-face, nose-to-nose, belly-to-belly, which if you're a networker is kind of the fun stuff. There's the follow-up, or as I like to call it, the FU. Uh, There's the (laughs) follow-up or the follow-through. And then there's the staying in touch, or the out of sight is out of mind, or if you want to create an acronym out of that, it's usium. If you're just kind of curious, right? It sounds so, like Latin. Those, it, yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, but 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 there's four dimensions to this thing, and it, it's having a process to be able to really show up um, as a champ. You know, uh, you know, in all four. You know, and if you don't know what all four are, you're missing a dimension or two. Yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome because one of the things that I like to um, make sure that we do on a pod, on the podcast is to give our listeners something actionable. And what you just, you just, you just kind of gave people a, a quiz they can take about their networking um, and grade themselves in each of those four areas. And if they're really serious about getting better, um, they need to improve in each of those four areas, or maybe they're good in three of them and they just need to add the fourth. So it's a, that's right. a, just a great way to, um, to think about things. So we're coming to the end. Um, I want the audience to understand the best way to get to know you and more about you. So maybe if um, they're looking to get some uh, networking help or, or help you because maybe they have an audience that you could um, speak to or talk to, what's, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, I want to just say one thing on the actionable side, if I could. Sure, absolutely. One thing that I often leave clients with, and even audiences, again, I don't do a lot of one-on-one, but audiences with is um, the ability to be able to create their own, what I call a daily fight plan. And a daily fight plan is taking those four dimensions that I'd mentioned before, preparation, presentation, follow-up, and maintenance, or staying in touch, and having a a plan that you could use every day, like literally, to make sure that these things are happening. So I line it up as like one, two, three, like your one, two, three punch. So what one thing could you do every day? So maybe it's contacting one prospect every day. The two could be following up with two clients every day. And the third could be reconnecting or following up with three centers of influence or referral partners every day. And if you want to take the advanced session, you know, the four could be, you know, reconnect with four past clients or the five could be um, make five outreaches to new connections that are relevant on LinkedIn. So whatever that one, two, three or one, two, three, four, five is for you, put that in a document. Like those are just some of mine. You could be anything, right? Could be whatever makes sense to you. But imagine what happens if you did that only every day. And we're talking about maybe 10 or 15 minutes a day that that gets scheduled in. If you did that every day, 
right? So call it the one, two, three, four, five. So that's five, nine, 10, 11, 12. That's 15 potential outreaches that you're making a day multiplied by five days a week. That's pretty good. And they call that marketing. And that's, you're doing all four dimensions just by doing this every day, provided that the mindset is around, not that I'm selling you, but how can we help one another? How can we learn from one another? How can we stay in touch, collaborate, be resources for one another, right? Taking those 15 times five, how can you not create more and better opportunities for yourself? You know what it costs? Nothing. Nothing. And that's your daily fight plan. So if you want to learn more about that, I want to learn more about me getting back to Rob's question, which is gracious. And I thank you is uh, my company is Knockout Networking. You can track me down at knockoutnetworking.com. I'm also the founder of a national networking organization or networking group called, wait for it, the Networking Group or TNG. And if you want to find out more about that group, uh, it's virtual, it's national, although we do uh, lead some live events. Uh, you can find that through my website at knockoutnetworking.com or simply go to thenetworkinggroup.org and you, you can certainly learn more about that. That's awesome. And I, I would encourage um, those of you um, who are listening to this to check out the network, well, check out both websites. But I've been a guest um, of a few or a couple of knockout, of not knockout, TNG groups, <laughs> getting all my acronyms confused. Um, and, um, they're, they're just been fascinating and, and I'm looking forward to continuing the relationship, uh, with you, Michael, through, uh, through that. And I met you through networking. One That's of right. our, That's it all happens. Um, yeah. one of our, um, mutual friends, um, introduced us. Um, and, um, I know that sounds like the end, but I, I want to go back to your action plan. Cause I love what you said about that one, two, three. I use a concept called, um, having a success habits. Um, come up with a formula that you do every day that you know that if you do it, you'll eventually get to where you want to go, even if you might end up one day and the 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 person that you wanted to network and was going to give you that big introduction falls through. You're not disappointed because you know you did what you needed to do. You put in you put in the work. So I really That's love right. that idea because putting yeah, and, in I, the and work, I really look at it, at it through the guys uh, and the eyes of a boxer. Yeah, you know, like a boxer is training for a fight. They've got to do the thing. They've got to do their routine every single day. And bo boxers are notoriously um, about rituals. You know, so it's a, like I have to be running at the same time every day. I have to be doing the jump rope and all the stuff that you're supposed to do, the sparring. And I've become so ritualistic because of that is that business is kind of the same way. So my ritual in business is if I was training for a fight, you know, I've got a 90 day goal. If I'm going to hit my 90 day goal, and I divvy it up into the amount of, you know, the amount of time it's going to take, you know, with it every day to kind of lead, you know, lead me to that fight. That's what the daily fight plan is, because everything on that plan and the example that I've shared is actionable. Every single thing. It costs nothing and there's nobody preventing us from doing it. And it's really simple to do. And I have found uh, certainly in business that the simplest things to do are also the simplest things not to do. Not to do. <laughs> And you're you're giving and having fun while you're doing it because it's it's a little bit of a competition with yourself, but you're but you have it, you're doing it with the right mindset. I just I just love that idea. I think that's great. And I even uh, gamify it. You know, if there's five entries, one, two, three, four, five, each one's worth twenty points. So the goal is to earn a hundred points every day. You know, in my fifteen right. minutes to thirty minutes a day, and I don't always do it. You know, it's usually eighty. You know, we don't always complete. I usually do, but you know, sometimes you know, I mean, life takes hold. You know, you have to. 
prioritize things, but the, it's really not about perfection. It is about progress. Yeah. And, and, and if you're going to make progress, you're not going to be perfect every step of the way. You're always going to take a step back here and there because stuff happens. And, yeah. um, but, but you know what you need to do the next day to get back on track. You don't have to rethink the whole thing. You say, okay, what's my new bike yeah. plan? No, just go back to what right. you said Or, or you what got do. in my way yesterday where I only scored a 60 or an 80. Again, all right, maybe the next time I won't jump into email first. Maybe that was a mistake. Maybe let get all this stuff done before right. I do whatever it you know took to kind of derail me. Or, or sometimes we can't help it. I got to bring the kid to school. You know, th those things happen. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, that was awesome, Michael. Um, I really appreciate you sharing as much as you did. Uh, I feel like it's really an actual way, a different way of approaching networking. And honestly, I'm just, um, I, I, I like to think sometimes that I've heard all the great ideas because I've been at this so long, but you add some great nuance to it that really, you know, makes it more exciting. And I, and I just, I just love the energy that you bring to well, it. I appreciate it. appreciate the kind words. I'm glad you and I connected. All right. Roger that. Well, okay. Well, I'm going to sign us off. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the podcast. Um, if you loved what you heard, which I know you did, make sure you give us a five-star rating and we'll talk again next week. Take care.